Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Governor Jerry Brown is expected to sign into law a bill to ban the sale of cosmetics that were developed through animal testing. So how did this come about and what exactly would the law do? And what are its greater implications? To explore all these questions, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show Attorney Elizabeth Baker, Regulatory Policy Director for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, or PCRM. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to speak with you today about this issue. Elizabeth, everyone's talking about this new law. What exactly would it do? Well, it is a California law, so it applies to California only, but we expect it to have just huge implications for cosmetic testing across the nation. What it does is it bans the sale of cosmetics in California if they were tested on animals, and that includes both the final form product and the ingredients that were used to to create that product. And so that's really important because a lot of the testing that occurs for cosmetics is on ingredients. And this law sets a standard for cruelty-free cosmetics and ensures that the final form cosmetics and those ingredients will not be tested on animals after 2020. This is great. Didn't the European Union pass a law similar to this years ago? And it seems this is quite overdue in the U.S., don't you think? Yes, I agree with you on that. So the European Union and other countries as well, Norway, Switzerland, Israel, Turkey, India, Guatemala, New Zealand, Taiwan, and others have restrictions on testing and the sales of and or the sale of animal-tested cosmetics. So we definitely are overdue for this in the United States. There have been efforts to put forth a federal law, but they've been stalled. And so we thought, why don't we do something here in California? Because California is the fifth largest market. What happens here will have a ripple effect across the United States. Is there any remaining rationale to rely upon animal testing to develop cosmetics? And Elizabeth, would you please summarize how this law would benefit animals? Sure. So I think it's really important to say that many cosmetic companies do not use animal testing at all. So the, in fact, over 3,400, I believe, um, cosmetic companies have committed to operating in a cruelty-free manner. So that means they will not do animal testing and they will not use products that are tested on animals. So these companies, of course, are still assessing their products for safety. Their products are safe and their businesses are thriving. So when when you look at it that way, no, there's absolutely no reason to do testing to do animal testing for cosmetics. Right. However, there is a, a bit of a nuance here. And it's that foreign, there are some foreign governments, China being the big one, that actually are requiring or prioritizing the use of animal tests for cosmetics if the cosmetic was manufactured outside of China. Um, now, there are some workarounds to get into the Chinese market, but it's not, it's not so straightforward. And so... If companies want to sell in China and they're not willing to negotiate with the Chinese authorities to sell online, to set up a storefront in Hong Kong, which is a free trade zone, uh, then then they would need to test for certain cosmetics. So 
I, I guess that's the long answer, but the short answer is no. The science is there. We do not need to be doing this. Right. What was the role of PCRM and who were its partners in bringing this to the governor's desk? Well, the Physicians Committee co-sponsored the bill with social compassion and legislation. And social compassion is an excellent lobbying organization in California. Uh, we worked very closely with Senator Galgiani to, she was the author of the bill, to introduce it. But we we had a lot of momentum within both the State Assembly and the Senate. So we had also a principal co-author, Assemblymember Kalra. We had co-authors in the Senate, Alan Chang and Stern, and other Assemblymember co-authors, Bloom, Gabriel, Limon, and Acosta. So that's a, that's a pretty impressive spread of assembly members and senators who were committed to moving this bill forward. You bet. And I also read that many individuals called their legislators and many celebrities were also behind the bill. Absolutely. We saw such great, such great support. Um, I want to say Lush Cosmetics that was just really amazing because Lush Cosmetics has been cruelty-free since its inception. And they're not only operating cruelty-free, but they are out there supporting these types of laws. So they came and actually Hillary Pickles works for Lush Cosmetics. She came and she testified to show that businesses really can thrive uh, and remain committed to operating in a cruelty-free manner. Uh, John Paul Mitchell Systems is also cruelty-free since inception, and they contacted the senator and support. About nine, I want to say maybe 90 other cruelty-free companies reached out as well. We had a lot of celebrity support. John Sally came, Alicia Silverstone, Harley Quinn Smith, Maggie Q, Kristen Bauer Van Stratton, and others. We had celebrities come together to create a video that could be shared on social media that included Moby. Jane Velas Mitchell was really great. She came to all of the hearings and uh, really helped us with social media. And on top of that, thousands and thousands of letters were received by the state legislators in support of this. Elizabeth, I read that previous versions of this legislation were somewhat broader. What, if any, compromises were needed to achieve passage of the bill? The bill really, we moved through the Senate, we moved through a couple of committees in the Assembly, and things were looking really good. We were really excited because this was, uh, as the original bill was written, it was the strongest legislation uh, that we're aware of in the world for cosmetics. And that's because it, the original bill did address testing that was required for other countries. But as we move forward, as we got closer to that finish line, that provision was giving rise to so much opposition that it looked like we might not be successful. And so since this provision, which addressed foreign uh, testing done for foreign requirements, didn't go into effect really for five years anyway, we decided to remove it so that we could remove some of that opposition. And even without that sunset, the bill still sets a standard for cruelty-free cosmetics and prevents new animal testing for final products and ingredients.
we had to move off of that, but we've decided we're still going to pursue the intent of that provision just through another avenue. Uh, Physicians Committee has been around for a long time, since 1985. We have developed really good relationships with Uh, regulatory agencies, and so we have also become uh, positioned in a really unique position where we work with regulators to train them on non-animal methods, so we definitely will be increasing our efforts with foreign regulators to work on this issue directly. What is the mechanism for enforcement and package labeling, and, and what potential penalties are in store for violators? Well, the district attorney or city attorney would be the ones to to bring a case here. Um, and companies who violate this would be subject to an initial fine of $5,000 and then $1,000 every day after that a product remains on the shelf. Do you think this new law will make cosmetics more expensive for the consumers? No, I really don't think so. And the reason is a lot of, you know, there might be some... Uh, there might be a bit of expense for companies to transition into non-animal testing right up front, but in the long term, these tests actually uh, generally are are a lot cheaper and quicker. So it shouldn't affect the cost of the cosmetic in the end. And and as it you know as it stands now, there are so many cruelty-free cosmetic companies that exist. Um, and that are are operating in this, um, I guess I would say, more affordable area. So I I don't see that it would lead to any increase in cost. Elizabeth, what are some of the alternatives for cosmetic testing? Well, there are actually over 40 alternatives that are recognized by international bodies for uh, for conducting cosmetic testing, but some of them include lab-grown three-dimensional skin models that are based on human cells, as well as sophisticated computer models. Are other states going to follow California's lead? Yes, absolutely. And there are already some bills that have been um, introduced in other states that would do a similar Uh, That would have a similar effect, but the Physicians Committee is really looking forward to California yet again leading the country, and this time with replacing animal tests. Great news and great work. Attorney Elizabeth Baker, thank you very much. Thank you. As temperatures climb, please remember never to leave your dog in the car, even for just a minute. Because even with the windows cracked and your car parked in the shade, the temperature inside can climb up in a matter of minutes, high enough to kill your pet. If you love your dog, leave them at home. And if you see a dog or other pet in a car, you may only have a minute to save their life. Here are a couple steps you can take. Make an announcement in the store or business that the car is parked nearest to. Also, call the police department or animal control right away. Remember, it only takes a minute or two for a dog to get seriously ill or die in a car on a warm day. So swift action can save a life. Dogs are unable to cool themselves the way people can. So never leave a dog or any animal inside a car on a warm day, not even for a minute. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Check them out at AIanimals.org. That's AIanimals.org. 
We just love the Evacare Mega Lint Roller. This is an extra-wide 10-inch adhesive roller on a long extendable handle, a pole really, that is strong and sticky enough to pick up lint, hair, and debris from floors, carpets, and hard surfaces. It'll even pick up objects like paper clips and coins. Of course, we like it especially because it's so good with pet hair. The rollers are replaceable, and I'll tell you, using the Evercare Mega Lint Roller really reveal just how much dog and cat hair can hide in your carpets. We have a brand new, famous brand, top-of-the-line pet hair vacuum, and even after using it on our carpets, the Mega Lint Roller picks up even more. It's a really useful cleaning tool. Welcome back to the show. I want to welcome back Dr. Doug Coons, Medical Director of VCA Desert Animal Hospital in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Doug. Hi, Laurie. How are you? I'm great. Doug, we recently spoke about allergy in dogs, which is very common, I learned. And I wanted to turn our attention now to cats and their allergies. How common are allergies in cats? And do you see many patients in your office for that? You know, many fewer than than with dogs. Allergy is a much bigger problem in dogs than it is in cats. Some of the same mechanisms are in operation. Again, the release of histamine evoked by whatever the cat might be allergic to, just as in the dog. But the symptoms and presentation are often quite different. So what are the main causes of allergy in cats, and how would you contrast that to dogs? Much more common to see food allergy in the cat than in the dog. And the manifestation in the cat is usually with itchy itchiness around the head and often with sores on the head and around the ears. Hmm. How do you approach in the office a cat or kitten with possible allergy? You know, again, we look for the things that are easy to eliminate. Sometimes fleas can cause allergic reaction in a cat. And so, again, we ruffle a fur above the tail head and we look for flea dirt, which is the stool from the flea, which are little black, little black debris that we would see there. And... Or we may see the fleas and turn the cat over and look underneath, too. Often in that inguinal area between the back legs, we'll see fleas or the flea dirt. And that one's the easy one to eliminate because we can give a flea medication and eliminate the fleas, and and then we eliminate the flea allergy. Right. More commonly, though, we'll see that cat with the sores on their face and really itchy. And with the cats, we kind of jump to thinking food allergy, and then we go for the elimination diet. And cats can be a little challenging here. I used to uh, have my clients go to one of the grocery stores that had a a really good butcher department so that they could order uh, rabbit, and then I would have them do home cooking uh, with rabbit meat uh, for the cat. And and we would see these cats totally clear up in 30 to 60 days. Wow. Uh, but then the challenge is, is to find a balanced diet that will maintain it. And like in the dog, we talked about the hydrolyzed protein diets last week. Uh, these are diets where the protein has been clipped so that 
instead of being long chains of amino acids, they're very short chains of amino acids that the cat's body doesn't recognize as coming from whatever the source was that has been hydrolyzed. Probably the most difficult part would be the cats are so finicky. Yes. Now, that's the other side of the equation. Although the diet that we use, uh, mainly it's a Royal Canaan diet that uh, is hydrolyzed protein. It's actually, this sounds pretty weird, but it's actually made from chicken feathers. And, of course, the cuticle in the feather is protein. And by taking that protein and clipping it down to unrecognizable bits uh, and then formulating it into a diet, we're pretty successful getting the cats to eat that diet. Not 100%, but but we probably, I'd say, 80 to 90% successful. And then we feed that for a month's time and then come back, or a couple of months' time, and then we come back and, and do a challenge diet. And lots of times that cat will have one meal of the original diet and all of a sudden we'll have these lesions back on the head and then then absolutely we've nailed the diagnosis and the challenge may sound like it's a little cruel but it really helps us to know for sure that that's a food allergy and then we embark on trying to find a unique protein again uh, duck is one we go to very often with with cats uh, sometimes there's some sea, some fish diets that will work but a lot of cats have been introduced to fish diets uh, early in life, and so those are, are not successful. Doug, when we spoke about allergy in dogs, food allergy in dogs specifically, you mentioned that sometimes your patients' guardians make a home-cooked meal of beans and vegetables. That's You cannot do that. I just want to stress we can't do that in cats, right, because yeah, they need their meat protein, correct? Yes. Cats are true carnivores. Right. And so uh, trying to feed them home-cooked diet, particularly a vegetarian source home-cooked diet, we can cause heart problems in cats. And so it's really not a good idea yeah. to home-cook for your cat and unless you've really worked with uh, your veterinarian or with an animal nutritionist in formulating a diet. Doug, one of our cats sneezes a lot. Is that indicative of environmental allergy? Certainly could be. Sneezing is not an unusual symptom in a cat. It also can be some other things. Uh, We see cats sometimes with chronic herpes virus that can have some chronic sneezing problems and not really that it's causing any symptoms of illness, just a lot of sneezing. Doug, talk about some medicine treatments for cat and allergy. You know, uh, that's... A good point. Cats are very lucky in that of all the animals we treat, cats are the least susceptible to developing side effects from treating with cortisone. So if we see a cat come that comes in and he has those facial sores or is really itchy, we'll often give a shot of Depomedrol, which is a long-acting corticosteroid, and that will give the cats almost immediate relief. And then we can work on getting a diagnosis over time, but it, but it gives them relief. Long-term, uh, again, antihistamines are, uh, don't work well in the cat. We try them often, but, but they don't work well. Uh, the corticosteroids are our, probably our best 
treatment in cats, but again, we have to be a little cognizant of side effects because if, say, we were to give the, a shot of Depomedrol, a long-acting corticosteroid monthly, over time there is a chance that we can cause that cat to become diabetic. So we often will look then toward giving an oral corticosteroid like prednisolone on an every other day basis, and that, that works quite well. Cats, cats need prednisolone versus prednisone, which we might use in a dog because cats don't convert well, don't convert it to the usable product in the liver very well. So again, they're we have to treat them a little differently than a dog. But an every other day dose of corticosteroid works well or the cyclosporin works well in cats and they seem to tolerate those very well if we if we keep them to the least amount that will control the allergy. Unfortunately, the monoclonal antibodies that we talked about last week the, to treat dogs mm-hmm are canine specific so we don't have those yet for uh, for cats we we will hopefully eventually but at uh, this point uh, the steroids and cyclosporin are our best long-term treatments for allergy in the cat other than you know food allergy which we really always try to uh, find a diet that doesn't uh, cause the allergy veterinarian dr doug coons thank you very much for coming on the show again Thanks, Lori. Welcome back to Animals Today. Well, I want to say hello to our special guests, uh, musician and animal advocate Paul Rogers and his wife, Cynthia Kerluck. Uh, you know Paul from his work, Fronting Free, Bad Company, The Firm, and as a solo artist. And he has written, recorded, produced, and released 30 albums. He sold 125 million records. You know the story. His latest CD and DVD is titled Free Spirit, filmed and recorded live at Royal Albert Hall. Welcome, Paul and Cynthia. Hello. How are you? Thanks, Peter. <laughs> well, I'll just address this to both of you. Please tell me. How and when did you become interested in the welfare of animals? Well, this is Paul speaking here. Uh, you know, um, my wife, Cynthia, is a great animal lover. And when we were in Dubai, she made friends with camels. In Memphis, she rescued dogs and puppies. In Japan, it was kittens. And in Portugal, I, I, th- I believe it was a swallow. Is that a swallow? A swift bird. Oh, a swift. Yeah, it was a swift. Yeah. Um, and there's been, uh, you know, every one of those um, adventures is a story within itself. I mean, not to mention Willow, the um, animal sanctuary in Aberdeen, Scotland. So, um, yeah. So we visited Aspen um, Wildlife Center recently in the Muskokas. And the first animal I saw was an Arctic fox named Spirit which considering I've just come off my free spirit North American tour with Jeff Beck and Ann Wilson and Deborah Bonham, was very... Kismet, kismet. Kismetic, is there such a word? Uh, yes. Kismetic. <laughs> and uh, it was quite amazing. So I think that, you know, the angels who 
perhaps the angels are watching over us. I, I think too, Peter, I know both Paul and I grew up, um, you know, with animals in our homes. We always had animals, and then um, Paul, through you know, his when his children were all young, they always had you know dogs, you know, in in the home. So there's always been pet, someone to care for, someone to watch over and, and love. And I mean, from the time I was a little girl, I remember how I didn't have any pets, and I really, really wanted pets badly. So what I would do is we had a veranda that had a little secret entrance underneath the front porch. So I'd go around the neighborhood and I'd gather up all the animals and I'd carry them back home. I was about five years old and I'd put them all underneath there and try to make them jump through hoops and stuff like that. And then I'd hear all these people in the neighborhood, Fifi, Fifi, Roxy, all these people calling for their pets. And I had dogs and cats all together underneath our veranda. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was an animal thief. I don't know. Mm. But then as I got older and was able to, you know, have my own pets, you know, through childhood I had pets, but then as an adult too. And I guess we're failed fosters because we fostered a number of animals doing a number of rescues from Mexico as well. And um, just fell in love with the animals. There's a soul and, and, connection. And the, the reason we're failed is because they <laughs> tend to stay. Yes. You know, they're supposed to be fostered and they stay. Yeah. 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 Our listeners are very familiar with that. And uh, just, yeah. so, just to make sure we touch upon this again, uh, you guys formally uh, support Aspen Wildlife Sanctuary. This is in Ontario, Canada. It's about three hours drive north of Toronto, if I'm correct. And also, you mentioned Willow's Animal Sanctuary, another great place in uh, Scotland. It's really uh, sweet what you guys do to bring attention and donations to both of these and others. Well, you know what, Peter? It's, it was really interesting because with um, Willow's, we've been patrons for about six years. And they're in a very remote area of Scotland, and there isn't a lot economically going on in the area anymore. So it's really hard for them to to get funding. So we support them heavily. And something we've just started doing is we do these online auctions. I know that we were going through Paul's home in the UK, his cottage, and had a lot of, you know, neat little things that he'd had for 40, 50 years. And so I was packing them up, getting ready to take them to a charity shop. And I thought, wait a second, wait a second. Your fans would probably really like to have a piece of yeah. of your history, your home history. Would you mind if we did an online auction with some of these items? And he said no. So we did that, and now we're about to do another. I think next week we're going to kick off another one online. So um, I can send you that information. Yeah, we'll post and it. These are more autographed items that I've I've gathered up. Uh, Robert Plant signed an album for us. Uh, I think we have something from Brian Johnson from. Paul, of course. So just a bunch of, you know, music friends have signed items. So those will be on an auction. And then as for Aspen, we've been with them, supporting them for about four years. And they do great work with the wildlife here in Canada. And I mean, Paul can tell you the story of, you know, meeting Ella the Moose, who is a a resident there now. And um, that was quite an encounter, wasn't it? Well, it was, actually. She's kept in in an enclosure an acre. An, an acre. Yeah. It's a big, large fence around it and everything. And um, she, um, um, Howard, the, the chap that works there, then, that he actually talked to the animals and he went into the enclosure <laughs> and he, he sort of made this sound like, ooh, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like that. And we were thinking, well, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> Howard's lost it. <laughs> and then there was an answering call of a similar nature, like, yeah. hoo, hoo, hoo. And, and, and the bushes parted. And out came <laughs> this amazing, monstrous 
prehistoric creature it looked like, you know. Yeah. And she was it was Ella the moose, and she's just a baby actually, but she she's is. quite big. Yeah. yeah. You know, by our standards, she's like six foot tall. At least. And uh, she came up to the fence, and um, Howard said, "Feed her this banana." So she took the banana through the fence, and she doesn't. Apparently, they don't have bottom teeth. Uh, they they tear with the top teeth and then they chow, you know, leaves and, and foliage and stuff like that. So that's how she took the banana. She looked into my eyes and she was saying, like, keep hold of the banana. I want to tear at it, right? <laughs> and she was tearing away at the banana. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. She's very habituated. She actually um, was found as an orphan. Generally what happens is moose have um, uh, twins or triplets. And... Howard, who's a biologist who runs Aspen um, Valley Wildlife Sanctuary, he said that what typically happens is the moose, if she has twins, will take two and leave one. So Ella got left. I see. And a family found her, and they took her in, and they were trying to bottle feed her, but they hadn't given her quite enough protein, so she was jumping around one day and broke her front leg. So they called Aspen and said, we've got this situation. So Aspen came and took her. She was in a cast for nine months. And while she was casted for nine months, she ended up damaging one of her back rear legs. So she can never fend for herself in the wild. So she's a resident now at, at Aspen. Mm-hmm. And you can go up and visit all the animals. I mean, we saw bears. Mm-hmm. We saw uh, silver foxes. We saw coyotes. Raccoons, they have absolute, they, they, they don't turn anything away. Which is so, so clearly you guys are very connected to this world. I wonder if, uh, Paul, whether you derive any inspiration in your musical creativity from wild animals or the plight of animals. Well, I think the spirit of the animals, we, we've, well, I mentioned to you earlier before we came on, uh, before we went on air, uh, we had a dog, Saxon, and he was a rescue. And I mean, his, uh, he, he was such a great friend. It was like he was really a person to us, you know. And it was very, very sad to lose him. But he was, when we rescued him, they, he was in very poor shape. His, his, fleece, his, um, his coat, really, was, was all scratched and, you know, He'd irritated. had surgery to remove those yeah. lumps. Yeah. And, and nobody wanted him, basically. Yeah, he, he looked a mess. And uh, he was at the SPCA. Yeah, they, they didn't even charge us for him. That's how bad it was. They said, no, <laughs> we won't charge him. Yeah, give him a home. And they said he'll probably last, what, a year? A or year. Something. Well, he was yeah. with us for six Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. A total of 14. He was a Doberman, yeah. 95-pound Doberman, and he lived yeah. till 14. I know. He was yeah. just, he was so intelligent. Yeah. And you get a lot of inspiration from, from, from his love of, his joy was to go for a walk, you know. I mean, he'd, he'd look you in the eye and, and he'd, he'd, a little sparkle in his eye, let's go, you know. And, and that's an inspiration for anybody. I, I, I yeah, it definitely. Mm-hmm. Do you find any uh, similarities working closely with uh, animals and uh, what you get on stage or as a professional musician is there anything else that these endeavors share for you uh, yeah I, I mean you know yeah, there's it's all about energy when you're on stage I mean it's all about energy it's all about show it's all about communication and um, I, I think you know animals have a, a really lovely energy they they say that a dog is like a five-year-old, a five-year-old child in terms of where it's grown up. I do believe, you know, and, and they're very loving and very open and giving and responsive. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, in the in the sense of energy, and I, mean, I keep saying spirit, but again, it comes back to that. You know, the spirit of the animal really is an inspiration for anything you might do. I think. And I'll just uh, throw this out to both of you, uh, Cynthia and Paul. Are you optimistic or more pessimistic about the future? What the future holds for animals in the wild? You know, some of us in the fields, we're really down and we're ruining the earth and others are like, oh, technology and everything is going to, we're going to be in a better place soon. You guys ever talk about that kind of stuff? I do think about it a lot. And, you know, and, and when you look around, you can get, it's very easy to get depressed because some of the things that, that are done to animals, I, I, I know that, you know, we hunt animals and we eat animals and we've done this, mankind has done this since time began, basically, and it's part of our nature. But I don't see any reason why we have to be cruel to them, actually. I, I don't like cruelty. I really dislike cruelty altogether because it's just unnecessary. And uh, that's that's my big bugbear. Yeah, I I, I think I, I'm sort of you know I'm I'm right in the middle. I mean, I think that we have to allow for animals and allow for human animal wildlife you know conflict and be able to support them through it, whether it's rehabilitation and re-release or whether it's taking care of them. You know, building a one-acre enclosure for a moose that can't be rehabilitated and released. I think we have to be more responsible citizens and we have to realize that we're sharing and sharing is caring. So to quote my grandchildren, <laughs> yeah. um, I really think we need to be aware of our choices that it's, and not be so, so greedy. I think we're, we've become very greedy as, we, as, as a, a nation uh, as in a, North America. As human, humankind. Yeah. yeah. I, do, I do think as well that um, you can only do what you can do. Do that which is in, right in mm -hmm. front of you. If you see cruelty or if you see something that you can do to alleviate any kind of suffering from an animal, then do that. That's, that's, yeah. If everybody did that, I think it would be a better world. And I think, too, in terms of animal testing, I don't think it's necessary. I don't, don't think we should be using chemical compounds in our systems, whether it's topically or orally. I don't think we should have um, chemical testing on animals, I on agree. beagles. I think it's terrible. Yeah. You know, I think it's absolutely terrible. That's and, a lot of suffering. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? and I think it's totally unnecessary. Well, Cynthia and Paul, it's just been a joy speaking with both of you. I'm sorry it had to be so brief, but we certainly uh, learned a lot about your world as animal advocates, and I uh, really appreciate you coming on to Animals Today. Oh, thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. It was great. <laughs> Some results about our relationships we have with our dogs. This is according to the 2018 Pets and People survey by Just Right by Perina. Among the key and not so surprising findings, 95% view their dog as part of their family. 62% said their dog helps them de-stress after a long day at work. And 55% believe their dog provides emotional comfort after receiving bad news. Other interesting results... Half of all women surveyed said they preferred time with their dog over time with their partner and or other family members. You bet. And the survey also found dogs have helped 15% of men gain the attention of the opposite sex. Mm. 
Peter, you find it hard to believe that 50% of women surveyed would rather be with their dog over their partner? No, I'm not surprised by that. No, me neither. Just before Labor Day, over a thousand dolphins were observed jumping and swimming together in California's Monterey Bay. And what they were doing was working together to corral billions of fish for food. A video was taken and you can see it on YouTube. And apparently this is not uncommon and happens every year. But to actually see the video is pretty cool. Yes, I saw that video also. And it's just amazing how many dolphins there are. Okay, here's a scary news item. Nicknamed Bertha, a rogue 18-foot Indian python is somewhere loose in Poland. Animal Rescue Poland received reports on July 7th of shed snakeskin found near the Vistula River south of Warsaw that measured nearly seven feet. When this group investigated the high grass close to the river, they found a second piece of molted skin measuring about 16 feet, (laughs) suggesting that the snake could be as long as 20 feet. Yeah, Lori, I saw this story, and no one knows how the snake got there. It's certainly too cold in Poland for a snake like that to live year-round, so maybe it's someone's escaped pet, but it's so huge, it just makes you wonder. Peter, we must have about at least two or three nicknames for our animals. I'm sure a lot of people do. But Nationalwide Pet Insurance came up with a list of their top 10 wacky dog names of 2018. These are real names of people's dogs. Chauncey Von Poopsalot. Yeah. Franklin Woofsevelt. Isabella Miss Worldwide Boo Boo. Little Bunny Foo Foo. Lord Stanley the Pup. Madam Squishy Van Wrinkleface. Ruffy the Vampire Slayer. Sir Licks a Lot. Sylvester Stud Puddin Pop. Vladimir Putin. Oh, that's probably my favorite. You want to hear the top 10 wacky cat names okay. of 2018? Lay it on me. Banana Paws. Bobcat the Builder, Colonel Puff Puff, Edward Scissorpaws. Yeah, that's a good one. Majesticoon's Carefree Dior Blue Knight, Mupocalypse Yarn Killer, Pablo Percasso. Percasso, that's cute. Princess Consuelo Banana Hammock, Sir Pounce a lot, Sir Reginald Fluffy Butt. Okay, I like those. I think Edward Scissorpaws, I can relate to that the most. Lori, did you see the story about that cute little penguin and the guy in South America? Yes, that was adorable. Okay, so there's this uh, man, elderly man. He's a retired bricklayer in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And he rescued and saved this little cute little penguin who had oil all over him or her. I'm not sure the gender of this little penguin. Anyway, he saved this penguin who was languishing on the rocks in 2011 nursed the penguin back to health, fed the penguin fish, and then the penguin ultimately uh, left. But eight months later, came back and has been uh, doing so since 2011. This penguin goes down, presumably uh, down to the coast of Argentina or Chile, and uh, swims. The round trip is 5,000 miles, comes back every year, spends the rest of the time with the man, and they hang out. And they, the uh, naturalists think the penguin thinks the man is, is indeed a penguin. And they snuggle together and he's feeding it. No one else is allowed near the penguin. The penguin will peck at other people. He sees the man and he just honks and wags his tail like a little dog with just delight. It's really cute. Every year he does the same thing? Every year since 2011. That's adorable. Yeah. Laura, you know, another source of conflict in the neighborhood is dog waste, dog poop on people's lawns. Yes. Uh, it's appropriate that the company Lawn Starter 
wanted to research this, and they surveyed more than 700 homeowners in five U.S. metro areas to uh, try to see about the top complaints that they have about their neighbors. And 9% named pets, mostly dogs, as their biggest uh, complaint by their neighbors. 9%? 9. I would think it would be more. Me too. But uh, still, uh, they are objecting to uh, people using their precious lawns as a little uh, potty station. Even if the people pick up after their animals? You know what? They sort of don't really care. They just uh, don't want people to... What do you think about that? Do you think that's okay? Forget about the 700 people. What do you think? If I mean, the, your dog, our dogs, don't really want to squat on the asphalt, right? They need to get ready to be on the lawn. So, okay, we've got a neighbor's lawn. We've got our bags. We pick it up within a millisecond after it coming out. Is that okay? I think that's fine. I mean, what are you supposed to do when, when your dog wants to pee or poop on someone's lawn? You're supposed to drag them into the middle of the street? Well, I think some neighbors would like that. They would like you to have no dog or keep your... I don't know what they want. No dogs. They don't want their blade of grass stained at all. You know, I do think we have a neighbor who objects to that very thing. Anyway, you mean the, the neighbor with the huge signs up that say, no poop, don't have your dog's poop you on know, our lawn? We have that. Remember the elderly woman who put the sign? It was only for a brief time, and I was didn't have the foresight to take a picture of it when it was up, but she put a sign on the lawn that said poison on her lawn. Yeah. That can't be legal. That cannot be legal. Anyway, no, I think the biggest... So now object- that's our main destination. Yeah, that's right. We encourage the dogs to go yes. to... Oh, that's a beautiful looking lawn over there. I think the main objection people have is when dogs urinate on yeah. their lawn, okay. then it leaves the smell and then it, other dogs want to follow. So then it leaves I, a, right. a spot and right. they don't like that. And that spot, I've tried to make that spot go away faster with fertilizer or water or seeds. It just has to go through its life cycle. It's going to be brown for seven to 10 days, no matter what you do. And I will tell you that another element of the survey reported that more than 4 million tons of dog poop each year are not picked up. That's just getting incorporated into the world. So that's a lot of stuff there. But going back to the urine thing that you mentioned earlier, definitely we've got the smell of someone's urine on our bush right at the, right at the end of our driveway. Right. And so- our dog walking out our very own driveway wants to mark our bush because someone else left him a little gift. That is annoying. What do you do about that? So it's annoying when other dogs do it to our house, but you don't feel other homeowners should be annoyed by our dogs starting the marking process? Our dogs are different. They are. They're special. And this is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. We have two neat products from Play, Pet Lifestyle, and You. First is the Peekaboo Interactive Cat Toy. This battery-powered pie-sized device sends an unpredictable toy mouse around its perimeter, popping up into view for a moment or two, and then it disappearing before showing itself again somewhere else. Our cats are entranced by this toy, and I'll tell you, we've tried many motorized cat toys over the years, and this is among the best. The pet teepees from Play are cute hideaways made with rugged and colorful canvas and sturdy wooden poles tied at the top to create a tent-like structure. Standing 30 inches high and with a 20-inch square padded base, cats and small dogs enter through a round opening and get cozy inside these unique and stylish retreats. They're from Play. 